And welcome back to another episode of the Locked On College Football Podcast. We are live from Mobile. Jonah is beside me, of course. Here in Mobile, we are live from the Senior Bowl. Jonah, how you feeling, man? Just here in Mobile. We finally met each other in person. How's everything going, man? The gang's all here. I mean, we just got on the first day of practices. We're ready to go. Weigh-ins are through the books. Man, it's just nice to be down here in Mobile, watch these guys play. And we talked about it, man. The Senior Bowl is my favorite thing because we get to know, you know, kind of their why. You know, why they want to play football, their backstory and all that. Stuff you can't really see on the film. So it's really nice to link up with Jordan here and kind of watch the top prospects around the country. We're really excited just because this is a huge piece to the puzzle down here in Mobile. We love getting our hands dirty. Just the whole scouting process. We both have been a part of it for a while. This is, I believe, your third year in Mobile, I believe. Yeah. This is your third year, and this is my second year. So we're still kind of relatively new to the process, but we're starting to make that transition to being veterans in the game. So this is a really cool process. We got to see the weigh-ins yesterday morning. We were really impressed with some guys. But the focus of the show is really going to be about the South and North team practice, of course. Then we're going to go through three position or three from offense and defense that we were most impressed with from each team. So I want to dive right into this thing. You know, we're going to start with the South team practicing. This is the team that we were. This is the the team that we were assigned exactly to uh, to talk about the practice recaps and things of that nature. You had defense, I had offense, but we're going to dive into the offensive side of things first. So, um, your first three guys, and we're going to go one by one. We're going to do one each, just so we're bouncing the ideas off of each other. So. Your first guy is Colin Johnson from Texas. Just talk about him, a big body guy, measured in at every bit of 6'6", 200 plus pounds. Uh, he was very impressive. We saw him both. We both saw him at the weigh-in. Uh, like I said, he was every bit of 6'6". He looks the part, gargantuan stature, and he moved around really well today at practice. So just talk about what you saw from him and what made you so impressed with him from the first day. Yeah, so Colin Johnson, I think the first thing you notice on film is that he's big. I mean, 6'6", 221, 33-inch arms, and you can't really teach that. So this is a guy that you, know, you see him on film, kind of labor some of his movements, kind of stiff. But here, I mean, I think he's a much better route runner than I gave him credit for. I think he's a lot more fluid moving laterally than I gave him credit for. Um, better stacking cornerbacks vertically that I gave him credit for. So really, he just kind of you know exceeded my expectations. And that's what you want to do with the Senior Bowl because you have a certain opinion on a guy from film, you've been watching him, then you see him live and you kind of get a different story. So to me, Colin Johnson, just a little more juice than I initially thought. I think he's a more nuanced route runner that I gave him credit for. And that's the thing about Colin Johnson is that on film, he doesn't look really twitchy. He has really good straight line speed. I'll say that he's more of a vertical go up and get it type of guy. But he was able to sink his hips. I thought he showed to be a really well-rounded route runner today, which is something that was really surprising. I know we were talking to each other during practice like, who was number 11? I'm not sure exactly who that guy was, and it ended up being Colin Johnson. So it was really good to see him go out and have a really good first day. I think that was big for him, especially considering – a lot of wide receivers in this overall class at the Senior Bowl group is these big body types that are really go up and get it, guys. Uh, Brian Edwards did pull out of the event, but you still have guys like uh, Antonio Gandy-Gold and Michael Pittman Jr. and some others as well that are in that similar mold as far as cut from the same type of cloth. So just seeing Colin Johnson come out and have a really good day, I think that was big for his draft stuff. Yeah, I remember the first play we watched, the first one-on-one of the entire day was Colin Johnson versus Tulsa cornerback Reggie Robinson. I was like, 
Oh, here we go, Jordan. First one on one. Colin Johnson just bench presses Reggie Robinson out of the way. <laughs> right through. And press coverage. Oh my goodness. So you're talking about a guy who can get off press, he can go up and get at the catch point. It was a big day for Colin Johnson. I think he really needed to prove that he can run routes, he can separate in man coverage. He did just that, so it was a big day for him. It was, and we'll see how he does here at practice today. I think if he can build on some momentum, we'll see how he does end up doing with that. But I want to move along to the first guy from the South team offense that really stood out to me, and he's arguably the highest-graded person or prospect here at the event, and that's Justin Herbert. I thought uh, it was really windy at Lab People Stadium today, but that really didn't affect his accuracy. I thought his decision-making was really, uh, really sharp. And the big thing that I thought he showed today was just the leadership aspect mm-hmm. of it. And he's more of a, a quiet leader, but you just felt his presence when he was out there on the field. And it's more of a thing that's really hard to explain. But when number 10 was under center with the red jersey, everybody's eyes was glued on him. And I thought he's more of a laid-back type of guy. Mm-hmm. He's out, He's openly admitted that. But I thought... I don't want to say he had a cocky confidence about himself just because that's not Justin Herbert, but he really let his his play show exactly how good he was today. And the ball just flew off his hand, and it fought through the wind really good today. And I thought his accuracy was really sharp, and he was really good overall. And I'll tell you, see, when we talk about guys like Jordan Love, Anthony Gordon, Jalen Hurts, ball placement didn't come easy on this windy afternoon, yeah. you know. So for for Justin Herbert to play lights out like he did, and for the other quarterbacks that really have the struggles that they did, it really stands out. He, I think he separated himself clearly you know, as the guy that had the best day. And it's still early, only first day of practice, but, man, he stood out. I mean, you could tell that the ball came off his hand different. This guy has natural, his arm talent. Um, the ball, all, Every best throw of the day came from Justin Herbert. I'm just telling you right now, like, you know, tight window throws, throws in the bucket. It was all Herbert. Herbert seemed comfortable with an environment. And that's, again, like a big question you had was, you know, how comfortable is he going to be, you know, leading a couple of guys that he's never even known for. But he looks calm, looked comfortable, and looked poised. And it's a good sign to see because, like I said, a quiet kind of guy that we've all thought of, even Keel. But he looked like pretty talkative out there, looked confident, and just a guy who looks like he's ready to command a huddle. Definitely. I'm willing, I'm really ready to see if he can build on this performance from the first day because a lot of times you get – Guys that are impressive on the first day, and then they have a bit of a precipitous drop-off after that. Yeah. So I want to see if he's able to stay consistent throughout the week. That's something that I'll be looking for at practice today and on the last day on Wednesday as well. So just seeing if he's able to maintain his even keel and nature, just like his personality. So really looking forward to that. But I want to get into your second guy, mm-hmm. which is the tight end from Cincinnati. Yeah. I'll go ahead and let you get into him exactly what you saw from him today. Yeah, I'll just go through this guy really quickly because I know we have a lot of guys to get to. Um, Josiah DeGuara, tight end from Cincinnati. Uh, man, I, I just love his build, man. Right at the weigh-ins, this guy was stacked. I mean, this guy is, you could tell, it's like a farmer strength. Just This guy is just a beat, lives in the weight room. Uh, it just shows that kind of competitive toughness about him. I love those guys who show up to those weigh-ins and they're ready to go. But it's not just that. On the field, this guy, you know, he's going to be an H-back, tight end, only 6'2", 240. Not going to be your traditional tight end, but, man, he can block for you. And this guy can play at multiple spots. And you line up with the one-on-ones. Against Kyle Duggar, he had a great rep. I mean, Kyle Duggar had one of the best days, but DeGuar got him on one of those. This is a guy who runs good routes, good hands, good blocker. But I'm not sure he has the length to be every down tight end. He's probably going to be more of an H-back. But I really like the toughness he brings to the table, and he showed a lot of it here on Tuesday. 
I thought he looked really fluid. I think that's the thing that stuck out in the one word that if I had to sum it up in one word, that definitely would be the way I would describe DeGuar's way. I thought he looked really fluid. And that's something that you want to see from these tight ends. And he, I think you're spot on as far as he's not the guy that's going to be an inline blocker or hard nose that you can that you can depend on at the line of scrimmage. But if you're using him in that sort of H-back role where you line him up on the wing, you line him up outside in the slot sometimes and even outside yeah. on the perimeter just to be that mismatch type of weapon, oh, yeah. I think he can be that. Yeah, and this is a guy that I think was the best tight end on the field. I mean, yeah. it, you know, and there are other players more talented. We talk about guys like Jared Pinkney, Bryson Hopkins, Harrison Bryant. You, you named the whole nine yards. But, I mean, this is a guy that I believe had the best day. In terms of just blocking wise, one on ones, team stuff, he looked just he looks like a natural out there. And this is a guy who didn't the moment didn't feel too big for him. You know the AAC is not really the best competition. Come up here, go up against some of the best of the best, and he he didn't look out of place. So I think it was a big day for Deguara. Definitely a big day for him. So I want to get into my next guy, and this was one of my favorite interviews of the day as well. National champion. Uh, he, he was he was awarded the number 18 jersey at LSU this year. And for those of you that don't know what the the number 18 at LSU signifies, is basically similar to what the number seven jersey does for what they use for defensive backs. But it's more of a thing that's more outside of defensive backs. But Lloyd Cushenberry, the third from LSU, big fan of his. I love what he showed today. And he had a rep against Javon Kinlaw where he was just able to stalemate him. And that's something that was really surprising. To me, just because on film, I thought he was a little bit of out of whack a lot of times. His balance was off a lot of times as well. So just seeing him rising up to the occasion against Ken Law, that's something that really stuck out to me as well. But he's another guy similar to Herbert that just has a presence about themselves. He can control the room. He was terrific in the interviews, and he's a leader. And that's something that you have to be at center. And he, he openly admitted that he just loved and he embraced being the nucleus of that Tigers offensive front. And that's something that you want to see from a center. He admitted to me that he was in charge of all the calls, even though Joe Burrow was making audibles and things of that nature at the line of scrimmage. He was the guy that controlled where the mic was, what guy uh, was was notified or signified as the mic linebacker to set the protection. So he's already well-rounded in that, and I thought he was sharp overall today. Mm-hmm. So I was telling Jonah, earlier that it wouldn't be surprising if he's now if he enters in the top the top 40 to 50 picks discussion I think that's a fair range for him and if I'm a team like the New York Jets at the top of the second round or close to the top of the second round I would have no problems with taking him with that second round pick so uh, I'm, I'm really interested to see exactly where he goes from here yeah I gotta tell you it, the most surprising thing about what he did on, on Tuesday was his power I mean, we both talked about a guy who seems a little off balance. You know, his upper body doesn't always match his lower body. Um, kind of all over the place with his footwork. But this is a guy that always moved well and never really questioned his ability to reach, you know, second level, fluidity, all of that. Uh, but, you know, you see him get a bull rush a couple times on tape. You see, you know, some power. But when you watch him live in person, he just looks stronger. Yeah. He's just a stronger dude. And yeah. he, he stonewalled Kinlaw. He's the only person all day to stonewall Kinlaw. And he pretty much had a lights out day, I thought. And you talk about, you know, your interview with him, talk about, you know, his leadership, his intangibles. That's what teams look for at center. You know, above all else, centers need to be centers are the quarterback of the offensive line. And so intangibles are more important to center than any other offensive position or more more important than any other offensive line position. So and that that just shows, you know, how I think Lloyd Cushenberry is gonna be a top fifty, top sixty pick. You nailed it around the head. You've been on this guy since the very beginning. I remember you did an article on Lloyd Cushenberry back in August or so. 
Uh, you called it, man. This guy's, I think, top center in the draft. I think yeah. he's proven that, you know, against guys like Kinlaw and, you know, guys all week. So big day for him, but I think it's going to be even a bigger week. I love me some Lloyd Cushenberry. So, Lloyd, if you're listening to the podcast, I thank you for the interview. I've been the conductor of your train since August. So if you have somebody to thank once you get yeah. drafted by whoever. You should leave a five-star review. Yeah, I should. <laughs> Make sure you leave a five-star review. But, no, thank you for the interview, and you're, you're a terrific player. So uh, moving this thing right along, getting into the next player. Now, he's from your alma mater, so I'm not sure if this is why you're giving him some notoriety. Oh, come or, on. If he just had a good day of practice. No, 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 no. My, my, my alma mater just lost a TCU. I'm not just I, – I, I'm not really friendly towards my alma mater right now. But if you all know, I'm from Texas Tech University. Um, but, um, the, you know, offensive tackle Terrence Steele. This is a guy that, you know, 6'6", 3'10". This is, you know, he looks the part. Um, you know, long dude, big, can move. Um, just, you know – but the problem with him on tape was always the lack of power. You, you didn't see the upper body, lower body match. Uh, you get bull rush a couple of times. You wonder how he was going to be able to handle NFL strength. And we got a glimpse of that here at the Senior Bowl, and he looked great. I mean, he looked. there wasn't a rep to where I believe he got truly beat. And for offensive tackles here at the Senior Bowl, it can get rough. Because you're out on an island, you don't have a guard next to you to help you in the inside moves. So if you get beat with the inside move, you get exposed, you get put on Twitter, you get put on social media, you get put on blast. Terrence Steele was lights out. I can't believe I, I can't remember a rep where he truly lost. Uh, I think he showed a lot of teams that he can be a developmental day three guy. Or I think a lot of teams were thinking, okay, you might gonna might be more of a developmental guy, more of a you know late round stash, drafting stash. I think a lot of teams now you know open their eyes, say maybe you know third, fourth, fifth round, possibly. I mean, we we said it before in this podcast. You know what position gets overdrafted more than any other position in football? Athletic offensive tackles. Exactly, and, and you talk about a guy that former basketball player again background. Yeah. You know I love him. Yeah. Good feet. If he can continue developing his upper body strength and kind of his base and his anchor, he's going to develop into a starting tackle. And this guy was pretty reliable at Texas Tech. And can move. He has all the traits you want. Just going to need NFL coaching. I, I think he's on his way. And that's another guy you expect to test well. And like you said, athletic offensive tackles, they always get drafted much earlier than what we say, no matter what they show on film prior to that point, just because teams always like to have that moldable piece of clay. And pass protection is much harder to teach than run blocking. Pass protection is very similar to a quarterback with accuracy. Like I like to say, either you have it or you don't. It's really hard to teach a guy pass protection. Run blocking is about like mentality. Run blocking is all about your nastiness, your motor. Your, your mean streak. You, you can you can teach yourself to be a good run blocker. Yeah. You can't teach yourself to you know drop back in the arc and you know pass set hold the anchor. You can't do that. And Terrence Steele has the traits to do that. So that's why I'm big on him. Yep, like him a lot. Um, just moving on to the last guy in the first segment of the South Team offense that we'll talk about. Another guy that I got a chance to interview today, and he was by far my favorite interview of the day. This blew up on social media just because. I asked him about a milkshake that he has, uh, that he had intake or he had to intake. This prior was disgusting, to his, by the way. Yeah, prior to his junior year, and Ben Barch, the offensive tackle from St. John's in Minnesota, not the St. John's in Philadelphia that everybody knows about, um, but the St. John's in Minnesota. Uh, I'm thinking about St. Joseph. Sorry, but um, Ben Barch, I like him a lot. More of a developmental guy that I thought coming into the week, just because. You never know with these small school prospects how they're going to adjust to the speed of the game, the power that he's going to face just because 
he's been going against six foot, two hundred and twenty pound defensive ends. But now you're matched up against Terrell Lewis, Marlon Davis, and all these other guys uh, that we'll talk about later on in the show. So it's kind of a shock to them seeing that power, that type of speed. But he adjusted really well, and he had a really nice rep against Terrell Lewis and also Anthony Jennings as well. You think about a little old D three school guy. He's coming here his first time actually being exposed to that type of speed, and he just stonewalled both of them. So that was really impressive to me, and I think he has a really bright future, and he's already been compared to Ali Marpet a lot, a guy that's actually been a mentor in his life. So already having him in his corner, I think, is going to be big for him, and I'm excited about his future. What was in that milkshake again? Was so, it, yeah, I mean, you got to tell me. This is disgusting. So these are the only things that I remember that he said. So he said seven eggs that he used to get up and cook every morning. Yeah, yeah. Cottage cheese. Oh, my God. Peanut butter. Oh, my God. Gatorade. Oh, ga- yeah. You can't tell me to put Gatorade in there. Do you ask for <laughs> yeah. more flavor of Gatorade at least? No, I didn't. I don't think it matters. I don't think it even matters. That's you- the- that, that is disgusting. And he said he just used to squeeze his nose and he just take it down. Why would you put the Gatorade in there? I have no idea. Why would you just put water in there? I, I don't understand. But anyways, no, everyone, if, if Ben Barnes plays like that, he should drink the milkshake every day. And drink whatever because, he wants. L- listen, he can drink whatever he wants because <laughs> he played lights out again. This is a guy that stonewalled not only Terrell Lewis and Anthony Jennings like Jordan said. He went up against Jonathan Grenard as well and he shut him down. And I think for... You know, I speak for myself, but I think he was going to play on the interior offensive line. I thought he was going to be more of a guard. Yeah. But he came in his way, and, man, he looked a lot better. I mean, this guy is 6056, 308. I mean, 33-inch arms. Passes every threshold you want to tackle. Played left tackle of St. John's. Uh, man, I, I think I think a lot of teams would like to see him inside to show that versatility. But, man, what, why fix him away? Broke. You know, he, he looked great left tackle. Went against some of the best competition. Talk about Ali Marpet. Ali Marpet was not known about at all coming out of Hobart. Came to Senior Bowl and dominated. Ben Barch is on his way to doing that just now. He stumbled every rusher he went up against. And this is a guy that thinks he's going to be on the rise. And again, once again, Jordan was on him before everyone else. I remember the article he put out. So big kudos to Jordan. On that. I appreciate that, man. I love these small school guys. And just seeing them, I just like seeing them embrace the competition and how they compete. And we saw Ben Barch come out and do that really well today. Now, he's had a good day. Now, let's see how he does adjust or if these other players adjust to him now that they've had some exposure to him. And let's see if he's able to combat that and and then really uh, adjust to them once again. So that's something that I want to see if he's able to stay afloat throughout the week as well. So um, before we move on to the South team defense, here's a word from our sponsor. And we are back talking about the South team defense. We've already been through the South team offense. We've talked about Justin Herbert, Colin Johnson, Lloyd Cushenberry, Josiah DeGuara, Ben Barch, and also Terrence Steele. Six guys we thought looked really good from the South team offense. Now we're going to transition to the other side of the ball. And I'm going to kick things off here. And the first guy that stood out to me from the South team defense is Kyle Duggar, the safety from Lenore Ryan. They really used him from all over the field today. He was playing free safety. He was playing strong safety. He even played some linebacker in the box as well. And that's something that you notice on his film as well. He's an ultimate chess piece. And I like to call him the Division Two Isaiah Simmons. Now, he doesn't have the measurables that Isaiah Simmons has, but as far as all of the roles and all of the hats that he was able to wear for the Bears defense at Lenore Ryan, he did exactly that. And it wasn't just on the defensive side of the ball. 
He played some running back as well. He played some wildcat quarterback, and he's an all-American return specialist mm. as well. You talk about these small school guys, they just have to find out what their niche is just because they have to figure out a way to stick out, especially in a game like this. And similar to what we talked about with Ben Barch, you want to see how they adjust to the speed of the game. And something that we wanted to see with Kyle Duggar was how well he played in man coverage. And I thought he held up really well mm-hmm. in man coverage. And it wasn't just against these inside wide receivers. He muscled and played really good and fought physical with these tight ends as well, mm-hmm. which I thought was really good for his draft stock. So I thought he helped himself out a lot during the first day. The biggest thing with this episode is literally like Jordan getting on all these guys for everyone else. Because I remember the first episode of this podcast, if you go back to episode number one, the end of that episode, you can hear him saying, Hey, Jono, your homework for tonight is watch Kyle Duggar from Lenore Ryan. And I was like, All right, I mean, if you recommend him, I'll watch him. And boy, man, this guy is good. Talk about guy, Lenore Ryan. Uh, is it Division Two, Division Three, Division Two, Division Two? So Division Two school goes up to the Senior Bowl, big jump in competition, and looks like the best defender on the field. I mean, the best defensive back on the field. I yeah. thought today, uh, this is a guy that just his size, length, uh, man, he, he can really be an asset in man coverage. Whether it's a sub package linebacker, strong safety, whatever it may be, just get him on my team. It's like Isaiah Simmons, the Division Two Isaiah Simmons. Yeah. Get him on my team. I'll use him and maximize his skill set. Just, you saw him at the weigh-in. It's just his strength, the, the physical profile. Yeah. He looks the part. And I think you know when he keeps having performances like this, goes to the combine, does the same sort of thing, there's going to be a lot of you – know, people are going to run out of excuses not to draft him. You know, I think he's going to be a top 100 pick, and I think with a, you know, another performance like that, he could you know, pretty much cement that status you know, going into the pre-draft process. Definitely, and I talked to Kyle a little earlier in the interview, so I want to play a little snippet for you guys. So here's a little snippet from Kyle Duggar. Seem to always thrive in the underdog role, coming from a small school like Lenore Ryan where the coaching staff got fired before you even got there, but they still stuck with you. So you're in this underdog role once again coming to the senior bowl. Just talk about what the experience is like being here and what you're out to prove this week. Um, it's something to embrace, if anything. I feel like uh, being able to kind of be the villain, and it kind of kind of go to like that, um, and it kind of drives you a lot in a lot of ways. So um, being in that position again for me is, is something that once again I'm trying to embrace and, and make sure I go prove everything uh, wrong, every all the all the question marks and, and doubts against me. Make sure I prove those wrong and, and play well. So for me, it's just really showing everything that I got at a high level and, and showing that I could play well and dominate at this level. And then you were an All-American return specialist. Is that something that teams have talked to you about doing, being a return specialist as well? Yes, I, I, I will get an opportunity to return this week, and I'm, I've been talking to you about that in the future. Good luck this week. So with that little snippet, you can just really see exactly the idea you get as far as his background story, what he had to go through, and everything that he had to face to get to the Senior Bowl. So really excited about him. Another guy similar to Ben Barch and other guys that we have talked about, how they adjust to the speed of the game. And I thought it didn't look too fast for him at all. It, I mean, he slowed the game down really quickly. I thought he was a bit nervous early on just because, I don't know if you noticed, Jonah, but the first punt that he caught hit off his face mask. I don't know if you saw that. But I did not. I didn't see say that. anything when it happened because I got a little bit nervous. Just I did not see that. I've been standing him, and I was like, "Oh man, he's gonna make me look bad out here." So I didn't say anything, but yeah. I was really happy to see him adjust. But I want to move on to the next guy. Yeah. And this guy was dominant today. Oh my goodness. And that's Marlon Davis. My guy. Marlon Davidson. My guy. Me. 
the defensive tackle from Auburn. So just touch on him and what you saw from him today. I would trade nine first-round picks <laughs> for Marlon Davidson. I would eat 50 pizzas in 40 days like Papa John <laughs> for Marlon Davidson. I mean, this guy, it, not only was he dominant on the field, this guy was one of my favorite interviews I did all day. And I interviewed him after practice, and let me tell you, he is a character. He has one of the best personalities here, infectious personality to him, always smiling. I asked him, you know, what would you rather play? You know, three technique, five technique, four eye, four three defensive end. What, what would you want to do? He said all of them. He said, line them up, I'll beat them. You, you, you can't teach that competitive toughness yeah. into somebody, man. I, I love that he loves the game, do whatever you want. But, I mean, NFL team, I asked him what scouts want him to play. You know, he wants scouts want to play three technique. Showed up today, 297 pounds. That's yeah. big for him. Moving inside, I think he played at Auburn at 285, somewhere around there. A lot of teams thought he would be a defensive end. And then, you know, moving inside, sub-package role. I think that's the best spot for him, and that's where he looked best today. I mean, this is a guy that is quickness, you know, against guards. Guards can't handle his quickness, man. Right. And 297 pounds? He, he, tell, me, tell me he doesn't look like he's like 275. He carries it really well. He carries it very well. Not a lot of fat on him, man. This is a guy that I think is going to be really, really good. Uh, we just saw him pop up in Daniel Jeremiah's first-round mock draft. Yeah. I mean, for good reason. I mean, it, NFL teams see it with him, and we saw him mobile. And this guy was dominant every rep he took, whether it was against offensive tackles, centers, guards. He beat them all, just like he's told me in his interview. So, great player. Can't wait to talk to him more down the road. He did, and I want you guys to hear a little snippet of that interview that Marlon did with Jonah. So, here's a quick little preview of some of the things that Marlon did talk about with Jonah after practice today. Uh, they told me I was at pretty good weight. They said, what if I can play at? And just making sure I can move and be agile to that. And just, um, really, I think I'm going to be a three technique in the, in the yeah. league. I really do. Because, I mean, I'll keep gaining weight, keep getting bigger. The more bigger I get, the more I gain weight. But I'm just going to tone it up and just look sexy. You know? <laughs> but just, you know, just being me. But just, yeah. I think I'm going to play, like, probably a three technique or a strong yeah. shot. And so, as you can see from that quick interview, just the type of bubbly personality that he has. He's a fun guy. Uh, you interviewed him, as you saw from that quick little snippet right there. So, um, did you have anything else to add to, you know, how well he played during the first day and then some things you're looking forward to him or seeing from him in the, the future days? I just love what he brings to the table. I love his versatility. As you talk about as you talk about in the interview, man, you just talk about position flexibility and how it's king in the NFL. Talk all the time about positionless football, man, positionless personnel. He fits that mold for the defensive line. I mean, you talk about, like, He's kind of like the Akeem Davis Gaither on the defensive line, right? I mean, we're talking to, talk about him later. But, I mean, this is a guy that can play defensive end, defensive tackle, nose tackle if he wanted to. He can play he play everything at Auburn, and he does it really well. I think, you know, Derek Brown was kind of the big name at Auburn. You know, I think he took a lot of the attention, Big Cat, Brian, all those guys. Marlon Davidson was a, you know, he was a five-star recruit. This is a guy that commanded a lot of attention, a lot of talent. Yeah. Not, you know, it, I don't think a lot of people understood how good he was. And I haven't really dug into his 2019 tape, but I cannot wait because yeah. what, he, what he showed in the one-on-one drills was serious pass rush potential. And for a guy who doesn't didn't play much inside of Auburn and show what he can do from the three-technique spot, a one-gap-and-go guy kind of guy, man, I'm all in on him. I, I think he's going to be an absolute stud. I'm excited about him. And he's not a guy that's going to be really flashy. He's not going to put up big sack numbers or, you know, create – constant havoc in the backfield but if you just ask him to hold at the point of attack do his job and satisfy the needs of your defense that's exactly what he does so 
just a steady football player, and that's what we like the most about Marlon Davidson. But you touched on Akeem Davis Gaither, and I want to go ahead and get into him, linebacker from Appalachian State. And they had him actually listed as a defensive back on the Senior Bowl roster when we got it this morning. So that made both of us a little bit nervous. But they did play him at linebacker down here. Yeah, he, actually, he, he, he didn't like that DB tag. He did, he he did, did not, not like it. I asked him about he it. He was not, like, I'm yeah. an LB. I'm an not. LB. I was like, you, you sure you don't want to be a safety? He was, no, I'm a linebacker <laughs> through and through. So, hey, he, he got what he wanted, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah, and he played a little bit of Mike, Sam, and actually Will today. They moved yeah. him all over the field. And right. he had one play where he just shot the gap on a run and play. And mm-hmm. he, he was out there. He was making some noise with this pass. Oh, yeah. And that's something that oh, yeah. you want to see, especially from a guy like that who's known as being active, very athletic, and very rangy as well. So ADG definitely made some noise today. And his dad actually texted me after practice, how did the king do, how did the king do? And so it was just really good yeah. to, you know, his dad's going through a lot right now. He just got the job at Western Michigan, the receivers coach. Yeah. He's back up there now. So um, actually, excuse me, he's back in Army now. Uh, he transitioned from Western Michigan, so he, he's in the process of moving right now. But meeting up with him Thursday, I'm excited to just tell him exactly how Akeem has been doing the entire time. Comes from a small town in Thomasville. My, my wife is actually from Thomasville. That's the only reason I know. Man, you got a whole story yeah, that's, here. That's the only reason I know about that small town. So I asked him about that. <laughs> it was a really cool story saying, you know, nothing's there, not a lot of street lights at all or anything like that. So... Uh, he actually he weighed 170 pounds coming into app. Wow! And now I believe he weighed in at what 219. 219 today. So that just just the credit to his hard work and his dedication Absolutely. to be able to gain that type of weight in such a limited amount of time. So we're really excited about him, and we did get a bit nervous just because we thought he was gonna they were gonna play him at safety. Yep. But he ended up playing at linebacker and playing really well. So ADG shout out shout out to him. A shout out to. Coach Keith Gaither, I still call you coach because you're still coach to me if you are listening. So uh, your son played really well today, and we're we're wishing him nothing but the best. But the next guy, man, this dude was scrappy out there today. And that's something that you want to see from Nickel Corners. Coming from UCLA, we got a little bit nervous about him because it was windy. It was low 50s here today, and he was bundled up like an Eskimo (laughs) just because he's a Cali guy. And coming from UCLA, we thought the the elements were going to shake him a little bit. But once he stretched, he went through the normal routine of everything, and he was lights out. And that's Darnay Holmes, the nickel oh, yeah. corner from UCLA. Man, you love seeing guys compete like him, especially being oh, yeah. a smaller guy. He plays like he's six foot two out there, and that's it. He had he has the heart of a lion, and he was out there talking junk to all the mm. receivers. So. Just talk about what you saw from Darnay Holmes and why he was one of your biggest standouts from the South team defense. Man, I always say it. You know, I, I love watching corners. It's why I pride myself in as a scout. And I got to tell you, half the battle at the cornerback position is all mental. A lot. A big reason why cornerbacks fail at the next level is just a lack of confidence. Like, you know, you know I got to wait to the next play. I got to tell you, the first play Darnay Holmes had in Mobile was a one-on-one rep where he got beat deep. I can't remember who the receiver was, but he got beat deep on a play. Quarterback underthrew it. You know, he should have been beat. But the rest of the practice, I don't. Think, I, I can't remember a time where he actually got beat by a receiver. I and mean, this guy just his confidence kept growing and growing. And and he, trust me, he lets the receivers know about it. This guy will talk trash. He talked trash to anyone and everyone he faced. And 
I, I just love that kind of dog in a corner, especially in a nickel corner because those undersized guys have a chip on their shoulder, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, and I love that he embraces that role, though. Yeah. He embraces that role. Yeah. And I, I talked to him about that, how, you know, a nickel position is a starting role now. He And he, he's not one of those guys that's like, you know, I'm an outside corner only. I'm, mm-hmm. He knows that he's a nickel corner. He knows yeah. he's a slot guy. And he said that, you know, when he was the top nickel on the depth chart, and when he saw the depth chart at, uh, in, a, in the locker room, He's excited because he knows that's where he's going to be at the next level. So I love that he's honest with himself, but he's also confident enough to let other people know, hey, I'm the best on the field. Right. I, I love that scrappiness. I love his speed, world-class speed. This is a guy that kept up with uh, Hollywood Brown, a former track guy at UCLA. Uh, that I just believe he has the mindset of an NFL player who's going to succeed in the nickel. Definitely. I'm excited about him. And then you talk about guys around the league. Being in that nickel corner spot, you have to be competitive, oh man. My Just goodness, because yeah. you're going to ask to come up and stick your face in the you're fan. In, you're in press coverage most defender. of the time. Yeah, as a run defender, you have to be very physical, and that's exactly what Darnay Holmes showed today. And his his press coverage was just outstanding. And oh there were some goodness, times yeah. where he was beat, but he was able to recover really quickly. He played the ball out the air really well. And even if going against bigger guys in the slot, he was able to compete and go up and battle at the catch point. And, and here's the thing with that, because that speed, I mean, you mentioned the speed, it's so important with the corners because it, de- it determines your margin of error, right? I mean, you can have bad technique, you can be all that, but, you know, for you know, stiffer, taller cornerbacks who press, it's like, you know, it's the home run hit, right? It's either the home run or your strikeout. Yep. For guys like Xavier Rhodes, mm-hmm. for a guy even in this draft class, the carriest keys from Tulane. If he gets his hands on you, it's over. Yeah. If he doesn't, then you probably got him beat. Lamar Jackson, Nebraska, we saw him later in the North practice. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he gets his hands on you, you're pretty much out of the play. Yeah. If, he, if you don't, you're pretty much going to expose him. Uh, with Holmes, he can miss, and he can get back right on the hip. He's just that fast. So having that kind of speed and that athletics and that reactive you know, quickness, that can allow him to recover so much quicker than these bigger corners. That's why a lot of the best press corners are not always the tallest. I think that's the biggest misconception with cornerback play. It's like, oh, you have to be six foot two to be a press corner. Some of the best press corners in this class are six foot or, or six foot or, or smaller. And Darnay Holmes, to me, I thought he looked like the best press corner here today. I did, and I agree. I agree with you as well. But next guy I want to get to, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this guy, man. From the interview process to how he performed at the first day of practice, oh Javon Kinlaw yeah. was just. He's been incredible, man, just interviewing this guy early on in the year and then seeing that transition over to the opening statements at the Senior Bowl. He just controlled the room so well, and that's something that I kept reiterating to everybody, and that's something that you want to see. We saw it from Drew Locke last year. We saw it from Jalen Hurts this year, but Javon Kinlaw just took it to another level. Uh, He owned the room, and then he was a man possessed on the field yesterday. He just could not be blocked. No matter who was in front of him, he was able to overpower them. He could show some finesse moves, his hand, his hand strength, and just his hand-to-hand combat was just unreal as well. And then I tweeted this out earlier yesterday or after practice, after the South team practice yesterday. Last year we saw all of these first-round offensive linemen, and they looked relatively good for the most Mm -hmm. part. But then you get to a guy like Montez Sweat, and he just absolutely dominated. Just because you want first-round prospects to look like first-round prospects in this event. That's exactly what Javon Kinlaw has done. And I think he's firmly entrenched himself as a top 15 pick as long as he stays on this level. 
Um, so sorry, Jonah, for your Cowboys at 17. I don't think Ken Law yeah. is gonna make it there. But the path that he's on right now, I just had. It's just hard to see him making it out the top 15. No, no and I think it, I, I told you in the elevator after the press conference and said, you know, what's the first thing I thought of after that press conference, Jordan, was that he's not making the 17 to Dallas. I mean, he commanded the room. This is a guy that just so mature, so just honest with himself, knows himself so well, and confident in his own skin. I, I, I'm just a big fan of Javon Kinlaw. I think NFL teams are going to fall in love with him during the interview process. I cannot see a team passing on him in the in, from picks like 10 to 15. Talk about the Buccaneers at 14. You don't think they need defensive tackles? Absolutely. The Sue hinder free agency. I think Javon Kinlaw is going to be a top 10 player on most teams' boards. I agree with well, you. With his backstory, with his athleticism, yeah. his size, come on, I mean, production. There's, I mean, he checks the boxes, yeah. and that's what you want him to do at the Senior Bowl, right? You don't necessarily need him to dominate. You don't necessarily need him to be – you just need him to check the boxes and do his thing. First-round picks should look like first-round picks. Yeah. Montez Sweat did it last year. Javon Kinlaw did, has done it so far this year. He's been probably the biggest winner of the event so far, I would say. So really excited about Ken Law. But last guy I want to get to is Cam Brown, the linebacker from Penn State. 6'5", 200-plus pounds. I thought he was an early winner of the weigh-in just because we didn't know how much he weighed. And how much did he end up weighing? You have it right there in front of you. I believe it was 6'5", 232. 6'5", 232. So clear winner of the weigh-in just because – Anything over 225 is going to be good for him. But to our surprise, at practice, he was playing some Mike today. And yeah. Just talking to him after practice, he was a bit surprised by it, too, yeah. just because they told him that he was going to be playing wheel for the most part. But they threw a bit of a wrench and everything, just putting him at Mike, but, which I like that, just because oh, you yeah. want to see if these guys can sink or swim. And seeing him, he swam for the most part of practice, oh, yeah. and I thought he flashed a whole bunch, not only as a run defender, but in coverage as well. I know that was a big question mark that a lot of people had about him, just how much or how great was his fluidity in man coverage. We knew we could spot drop and be a grass dropper in zone just because of how long he is. That wasn't going to be a problem, but could he turn his hips? Could he flip his hips and run down the field with these tight ends and guarding these running backs out of the backfield? And I thought he aced the test. You know what's the most impressive thing about Cam Brown is that every time he's on the field, I think your eyes just are just catered towards him. 6'5", 235. You don't find linebackers that size, that long in the NFL anymore. No. You see the six-foot linebackers. Six, you see, like, they keep, and there's no disrespect to Akeem Davis Gaither. We've talked about it. We love him. But that's what you see now, the undersized linebackers. Six-foot, six-one, all that. Cam Brown is sort of like, like the day three version of Isaiah Simmons. Yeah. I mean, you talk about a guy who can cover a little underside, like frame wise, um, can rush the passer when he needs to. I, I love that he. I talked to him in, in the media day before practices. Mm-hmm. I love that he embraced his versatility. I love guys who are honest with their own evaluations mm-hmm. and know what they are. He knows he doesn't have a true role. He knows he's not going to be a true Mike and a true Will. He's going to be playing all over the place, a defensive chess piece that can be a matchup neutralizer. That's exactly what he told me. He told me that, you know, tight ends and running backs are now, you know, more important than ever in today's NFL. So he knows that that's what he wants to be. He wants to be a matchup neutralizer on third down and be a guy who can take away the passing game. I love that about him. And I love that, you know, again, a guy with infectious personality. And he's a guy that just played really well today. And I believe that you know, in this linebacker class where it's kind of shallow, right? A lot of guys went back to school, uh, not really great depth. 
Cam Brown is going to be a guy that I think teams are going to fall in love with because of the physical profile, the, the just the personality, the background. There's, there's a lot to like about him. And he's a, he's a raw prospect. He's probably much a draft and stash guy I think you got to put in your program. If you're going to play him at Mike, you're probably going to need to put 10, 15 pounds on him yeah. before he does anything. But, dude, he, he is promising. And I believe that you know if you have a third, fourth round pick, you can do a lot worse than drafting Cam Brown. Absolutely. So, three teams I wrote down. Oakland, Green Bay, Giants. All need linebacker help. Oh, my help. goodness. They should all be huge fans you're of talk- Cam Brown. You're talking about the Giants being a rebuilding team? Yeah. Absolutely. Let him play through his lumps, man. I'm telling you, Cam Brown is going to be a steal for some team. I will, if, if he's on the table on day three, I am jumping on the table for him. This is a guy 6'5", again, 232. Can rush the pass or some. He we saw some of the one on ones. Yeah. He put on a nice spin yeah. move. This guy can really do a lot of things for you. Sub package roles, sub package rusher, sub package linebacker. Can sometimes play in the slot. We saw him play some man coverage today. This guy can do a lot of things. I think you just got mold. He's like a moldable piece of clay. You take on day three, and you could turn into a starter someday. I'm all about Cam Brown, and at the very least, he's gonna be a core special teams player for you right away. Definitely. Really excited about Cam Brown. But that is our South team preview. And what we've decided to do is that we're going to split this thing up into two shows. So we already have the South team preview out the way. So you should transition over to to listen to the North team overview as well from the first day as well. But that is our South team preview. Thank you guys for listening. We are the Locked On College Football Podcast. But it does not stop here. We are in Mobile all the way through Saturday. So just tune into the draftnetwork.com for nonstop coverage. Also, the Locked On College Football Podcast. Go ahead and subscribe. Leave a five star review. We will have unlimited content for you guys today. So that is the South Team preview from day one of practice. A lot of guys were outstanding. Some big names Javon Kinlaw, Justin Herbert, and then some small school names Kyle Duggar, Ben Barch and some others as well that we are looking forward to seeing if they can continue that consistency uh, throughout the the duration of practices and into the game on Saturday. So, of course, thank you guys for listening. We are the Locked On College Football Podcast. I am Jordan Reed. He is Jonah Tolls. Go ahead and head over to the North Team Overview from the first day of practices. We look forward to seeing you guys there. Thank you so much for listening.